0: Welcome back, friends, to part two of this episode series focusing on mental health and the church. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to part one yet, you may want to pause this episode and listen to it, as it really does help lay a lot of the groundwork on what we get into today. In this episode, we're going to pick back up on our conversation with talking about some resources and practical tools that can help equip you or your church to help people living with mental health challenges. This is a really important conversation, friends, and one that we hope has been encouraging to you and will keep being encouraging to you. As always, we are so glad that you are here with us. This is Beyond the Moment.
1: And as a children's minister for many years, one of the things that I recognize, which is, you know, it's not if I'm recognizing it, it's low-hanging fruit, right? <laughs> but but uh one of the things that I recognize that often behavior disorders are just an undiagnosed mental health disorders amongst children. Yeah. And um and sometimes children, um, you know, those children that are really hard to deal with, that if you say up, they say down. Mm-hmm. Um that that often, as, as in childhood, gets diagnosed as oppositional defiant disorder, and I even hate the name of that because I've had a, f- a few students when I was a t- teacher, and I've had ch- children in my children's program who have had it. They, they don't know why their brains tell them to do that, but they get that people give them this, uh, I don't know, credit for being way more proactive in their thought processing Mm -hmm. than than they really are and um there's something in their brain that gives them pleasure when they say no and you say yes and Mm -hmm. they don't know why but i also realized that oftentimes children who are diagnosed as odd later on in life um are diagnosed as bipolar Mm -hmm. and it's just and you can't be diagnosed as bipolar until i think you're 21 so um so children get told they're a bad kid um, in Sunday school. Even I had a Sunday school teacher who just did not want to deal with an ODD kid, and what that kid needed to hear was, "I'm going to sit here with you. If if somebody has to take the rest of these kids, I'm going to sit here with you, and I and I love you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It it makes me think too of
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Mental health disorders, mental health challenges. We also we often refer to them, and you'll hear it referred to uh, as the no casserole disease, and that is, you know, someone loses a loved one. We show up with the casserole, right? Um, someone is is going through, um, you know, some sort of uh, treatments or or, or or medical issues. Anything like we, what do we do? We show up with food but if someone's child gets diagnosed with something or you yourself are in a depressive episode, you know, we don't see that a lot where people show up with casseroles and, and, and come, you know, bearing that support. And that's why, and there's a stigma around mental health as a whole and, and talking about it within the church. And you are so right. It even, it comes down to even to the training of our leadership within the churches and, and, you know, how do we educate? How do we make people more aware? Um, And it it is interesting to look at. It's such a um, multi-layered, you know, thing in that. And and because it's often met with stigma, that and it can be so difficult for people to talk about um, and uncomfortable for people to talk about. And that's why I think it's it's such a, a place where we often feel lonely. We feel isolated um, and I think too, we we can't look at this. You know, we can look at this in a, in a lot of ways, of course. But to look at this from a, from a faith perspective, and to know that there is a there is an element to this that the enemy will want to use to further isolate us, you know, from one another, or you know, to make us feel like we are the only ones struggling, we're the only ones going through something. Um, you know, and it, it, it really does come back to that showing up for people. And like you said, it's, it's the, I love you period, not
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love you in spite of, or I love you, but, or because, you know, it's just a, uh, I am here with you period, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when you think about this uh, from so often we, we turn to our pastors and our leadership uh, for help, but when you put, when you put 10 pastors in a line there's two uh-huh. of them that have a mental health disorder yep. as well yep. or a mental health challenge or a mental health illness but also seminary does not always prepare you for this seminary could not have prepared any pastor for the pa- pandemic oh yeah you know, we okay. were all learning this together and um and and in our training that we that we we took um it said that the percentage of pastors who have a plan to assist individuals who have a family member struggling with a mental health challenge, guess what percentage that is? 40%. -hmm. Because they just don't have all the information and they can't do all the things. It takes a whole community. It takes takes a church community to minister to someone, to a family.
0: So there is a book um, that we have all read through as a staff. It's called "Troubled Minds troubled minds uh by amy simpson and um it it was actually written several years ago so some of the data may actually be more um than than what than what we'll share here in this episode um but you uh you've already kind of given a good segue into that into looking at when we look at the church's response to to things and what amy did in her book was she surveyed 500 churches in the united states all kinds of denominations and all that um that that showed and what she did was then she analyzed the data from that to see is is mental illness being talked about how is it being handled what is the you know how does the leadership know what to do and, and all of that um and so these are just some of the statistics that showed up in her data which this is just a, a very brief um, synopsis of of her book but um she said that 34 percent of church people are private about a mental illness diagnosis. And only 12.5% said the matter is talked about openly and in a healthy way. Leaders who have suffered from a mental disorder, like you were just talking about, are more likely to recognize it in their own congregations. Mm -hmm. Uh, 30% of people said that mental illness is never mentioned in a sermon. 21% said it was mentioned about once a year. Um, About 29% said mental illness is mentioned two to three times a year and when asked how equipped church members felt to help people with mental illness uh, about 53 percent said they felt somewhat equipped to minister to those with a mental disorder um and where about 27 percent said they felt pretty competent um with 16 percent saying they didn't feel equipped at all um And I think this is really interesting too. Only 4% of church members whose family member died by suicide said that their church was even aware that a family member had experienced a mental health challenge. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to those stigmas and the fact that we can look at this, that faith and mental health are intertwined with one another,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know? Um, It's not a
1: lack of faith, but it is something that can help you survive it.
0: Yep. Please do not think if you are someone who, who, who struggles with your mental health, who loves someone who has mental health challenges or mental illnesses, please do not look at it as a lack of faith issue that you need to pray more that you are not doing something enough, that you don't have enough faith. That is not why this is happening. You know, that this is a hard part, I think. And it goes back to what you're saying about the church doing a better job of of talking about this more openly and looking at this from a faith lens. I mean it it, it we, mental health is addressed in the Bible. You know, I mean, we, we know David's struggled with depression, anxiety. I mean, we open up the Psalms, you know,
1: right. We, right. I mean, we, so he, Nehemiah, he's like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And David is, I think David is the one that said, close the blinds guys. Yes. I'm not getting out of bed. Yes, um, Yes. But Absolutely. you know, at some point, David had people that surrounded him and encouraged him. And at some point, you know, after the death of his son, he said, all right, Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna eat. Yeah, you no, know? and um, we also have to be in a place to receive help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, to to say, okay, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna face the day. Yeah, and um, and you know, we don't all have you know our royal staff to you know encourage us, but right. we, but if we had our churches and our and our families to encourage us, it would make all the difference and i and i think in in the messaging that the world uses um Mm -hmm. we can be so callous when it comes to uh, mental health terms Mm -hmm. you know um because we're so quick to throw around the world crazy you Mm -hmm. know yeah um or psycho you know Mm -hmm. if 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 a woman is is mad Mm -hmm. she's psycho you know (laughs) um yeah. and and we have to we have to reclaim that that language we've got to we've got to learn to reframe it, yeah, I guess not reclaim it, but um one of the things our training encourages us to use is first person language mm-hmm. so instead of saying she is bipolar, you say. She lives with bipolar disorder, right, right. and Amanda, do you want to talk about why we say she lives with bipolar disorder? Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think like I, I'm I'm glad that you're moving into this because this is what I was looking at. Let's look at practically, you know, what how what does this look like in terms of the church? And language is so crucial when we're talking about this. So, you know, and a lot a lot of times we'll say like, um, and I listen. I've been guilty of this myself. I'm still having to retrain my brain to even you know, even in terms of talking about my own mental health, we'll say things like suffering from or battling. Like, I mean, I will say that quite often, you know, I'm battling this. Um, but instead of instead of saying living with a mental illness to unlock that empathy and compassion, to reframe, like you said, avoid using things like crazy or nuts or, uh, you know, schizophrenic, um, because they send a stigmatized message to someone living with a mental illness or even you know we
1: and this Your is, mental illness becomes an insult yes does that does that make sense so if mm-hmm. you say you know she, she's schizophrenic she might not be schizophrenic you might just be using right. it to describe somebody who is is giving you a hard time right yeah. yes so we've got to stop using that language yep. um and as an adjective yes
0: and and avoiding saying things like um And I, you know, I had well-meaning, I want to give them well, well well-meaning people to me say things like pray, you know, pray harder, you know, have more faith. And I would literally sit there and go, I I have faith. Like, I I don't know how much harder I can pray for this to go away or for God to take this, you know, from me or, you know, and so, and people will say things, well, if you only had more faith or, or, you know, uh, your faith was stronger, you wouldn't struggle with this. That is a shame-inducing statement, and what it does is it accuses rather than it heals, right? So instead, we have to be um, intentional with our words, and I think, too, it, you know, depends on the relationship that we have um, with some, you know, with that person, but language matters so much, and, you know, we are very... um, used to, and I think guilty of saying even this in in terms of of talking conversations surrounding suicide, we will say that this person committed suicide and instead changing that language to say this person died by suicide. Because what we, you know, we wouldn't say, I wouldn't say my mom committed cancer. You know what I mean? Like I said, my mom died from cancer or that person committed a heart attack, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but changing that language to reflect that, that in itself does wonders for someone who is living with a mental health challenge or illness, someone who loves someone who is, um, it, and it just it just helps progress th- that conversation, and it it's destigmatizing, and that's really what we want to do is take that, um, to take that away, and and I think too, you know, remembering it's not it's not your job to fix anyone, I, I, and again, I or think or
1: diagnose anyone
0: or diagnose anyone, yes that there are professionals who, who, who handle that. Um, our, you know, our role in a lot of ways is to be that help, that encouragement, that listening ear um, you know, that person who says you are not alone, you know and mm-hmm. um, whatever context that, that, that looks like. Yeah. And then so also
1: when we, when we go back to the language and, and this is something that I think is, is vitally important when you're having conversations about this for example, again, we said she is bipolar versus she lives with bipolar disorder. When you say she lives with bipolar disorder, she's not being defined by her bipolar disorder. Right. right. It's something that she lives with, just like I would live with eczema, you know? Right. And I know that there are different conditions, but but understand like a person who who has eczema or who has... Mm -hmm. Cancer is not a hundred percent defined by that. They can still be a mom. They are still a teacher, Uh or, or or Sunday school teacher, or or pastor, or you know, so many things, or an artist, or all of those things. It's one aspect of their life. Yep. Now, is it an aspect that affects all other aspects? Yes, but Mm -hmm. it is not the defining feature of their life. First of all, the defining feature of anyone's life is that they're a child of God. That's right, and then all these other things that they are that make up who they are um, come before the illness and the disorder and helping people to understand that, that you see them as more than their disorder mm-hmm. um, by the language that you use is really important because it can feel like your life is defined by it. When it, yeah. when it hits, mm-hmm. it feels like that's all there is. Yep. And uh, when you listen to someone, when you share space with them, When you invite them to do normal everyday things with you, um, Mm -hmm. despite what they're, what they're going through, what they're suffering through, it helps them to know that they are more than that. Yep.
0: Oh yeah. That, that in itself is, is so important. And especially within the church, you, you know, it's helpful even for churches have, you know, those resources ready to help people, you know. Uh, connect people to those resources. Be that listening ear. Like if if there are people in your churches that you have not seen in a while, that you may maybe you do know that they struggle, and maybe you don't. Reach out to them. Let them know they are missed. Let them know they are loved. Like that they matter because they may. There's so much private struggle that happens within our churches with with mental health and because of that stigma that is surrounding it, that we don't want to reach out to someone and say, I'm struggling. I can't get out of bed today. Right. So, so you being on the other end of that and doing the reaching out and listen, it it may not, it may not, uh, that person may not be receptive. They may not be, you know, Oh yeah, thanks for calling. You know, I really, you know, I, I have been struggling. Maybe you will get that. Uh, maybe you won't, the mm-hmm. the point is t- it's consistency in reaching out because they need that because it's they may or may not yeah, they that. may not be receptive to it at the time it doesn't mean that you stop trying you know
1: you know and that's one of the things that they mentioned in our that they they hit again and again and again in our training is when you notice something going on when you notice a difference mm-hmm speak, speak, speak to it yep. in your relationship with them. Say, I've noticed this about you. Are you okay?
0: Yep.
1: Is there anything I can help you with?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to talk? Invite them somewhere outside of the normal yep. uh, situation that they might find themselves outside of the, where their families, outside of the public, um, yep. you know, where you might be and say, what's going on? You yep. know, go address the elephant in the room. Um, because you know, there's so many elephants walking around our churches, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When the, when the elephant gets addressed, it, it it has to, it has to uh, find the the right place, right? It has to be put in its spot. Yes. But, um, yeah, but, and especially with children as well. Um, when you, when you see something concerning with a child, speak up and say it to the parents Mm -hmm. say I'm seeing this I don't know if you've seen this but I've noticed this yep because oftentimes if you're like sometimes at my house my my teenager when we get home she eats dinner with us we have a conversation then and then she goes to her room and she does homework and she does all the things that teenagers Mm -hmm. do listen to their music talk to their friends all those kinds of things you like you're actual interaction with them on a daily basis can be very limited and you don't yeah. sometimes see those things oh yeah oh yeah. so having someone else who who sees them in a different scenario and and set, says this this doesn't seem right to me yep um yeah
0: it, like we're we're so afraid that we're going to offend and step on toes and that we're going to be wrong and 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 also you you, you you have to pray through these things. The Holy spirit will lead you and guide you in these conversations and how to approach them. Like Becca said, there's part of the mental health training that we all went through is how, like, how do you start these conversations? How do you do it? If, if Becca comes in usually typically every day and she is, is I'm, I'm used to seeing her dress to the nine. She has her hair done. She's doing this and she typically dresses like that every single day, but all of a sudden she starts coming in, looking like, you know, disheveled or she hasn't brushed her hair she, and, and sweats in a normal. dirty t-shirt. Yeah, and that's not normal for her. You know, it's my responsibility as her friend, as her coworker to go and to say, "Hey, you know if it's it's everything is everything okay? Do you want to talk about anything?" And again, you you don't have control over the person's reaction to you, but you making that first step might be what someone needs. And that might be all that they need just to be able to know that you are there as a trusted resource, a trusted, um, person that they can confide in, you know?
1: And as a, as a church member, as a friend, as a spouse, um, as a family member, it's good for all of us to know the resources that we have available around us. Yep. Um, it's good for the person who has the disorder or the, the, or or is struggling with mental health. Um issues but Mm -hmm. also it's good for us to know Mm -hmm. so if I have that conversation and they say I'm feeling really you know possibly suicidal or I am feeling really really depressed right and uh or I'm I'm having marital struggles and my wife or my husband won't talk to me yeah well what do you do then it's like oh oh I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. being able to give the name of a counselor yep um if you trust your pastor as a counselor, some people don't, mm-hmm. um, saying my, our, our pastor's trained to do, talk to these things. You should talk, you know, like being able to give them a, a the suicide hotline number, you right. know, right. having something, knowing the resources to share is also important.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And also what that does to people who are coming into your churches, um, maybe they're visitors, maybe they've been going there for 25 years. What it does is open the door to say that we we want to have these conversations with you. We, we, we are, we're on your team. We we want to help. We want to be a support system to you, you know, and that in itself is, is so important for people and so crucial, you know, in, in terms of that.
1: Yeah. And if someone does say, and you know, that that's, That's a tricky thing, too, because, you Mm -hmm. know, the word suicide gets thrown around, too. I just and oh, gosh, amongst teens, I just want to kill myself. You know, like Mm -hmm. my my kid, I've said that so much. She said that before and I'm like it and she didn't mean it like that. But that term gets thrown around to the point that when it's meant with in truth, right, that people don't often recognize it for Mm -hmm. what it is. And if someone you have a conversation with it with anyone and they mm-hmm. say that they are feeling like they might want to take their life, mm-hmm. um, do not leave that person.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, stay with them until they have contacted someone mm-hmm. for help. Mm-hmm. Give them give them some choices and stay with them until they make one of the choices. Yeah. Um, because. What we hear so often is that, um, is that suicide is 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 something that people may have been thinking about. But when they actually make the choice to do it, it's a it's a pretty rapid progression. Yeah. Like this is it. I'm going to do it. It's done. Right. So um, if they're saying that and they're feeling that do not leave them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I hope. I mean, I hope we've given you practical tips to even start having these conversations. But again, if you don't take anything else away from it, number one, that you're not alone if you are someone who, who, who is living with a mental illness, mental health challenge, you know, anything like that, that you're not alone. Secondly, that there is absolutely nothing wrong with getting help. There is a stigma within the body of Christ, within the Big C Church, um, that going to counselors to having that outside help is 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 a reflection of your faith it is not there is so much fruitfulness that can come from sitting across from someone uh who is able to walk you through this and walk with you um i mean i i have i'll just again just, just in transparency part of my healing from panic attacks and living with the anxiety disorder is that, I mean, I that I see a counselor, and that was tremendous in my recovery. As it is, I know that for for a lot of people, so I think just knowing um, that there's there's nothing wrong with that. There is also nothing wrong with medication, <laughs> mm-hmm. having to be on medication to help your brain to be able to process the world, or um, you know, for us again to detach that stigma away from having to use medications or that that somehow correlates to how strong you are in your faith.
1: Um and what and, if we looked at that exactly. and said what an amazing blessing that God gave someone the knowledge mm-hmm. to to make these medications that can make me feel better. Mm-hmm. What a blessing God has given me that that people two generations wouldn't have had accessibility to. Yeah. Um, use all the resources you have available if if that's what's needed. And if medication is what's needed, look at it as a blessing. I know that for me, I struggled with that as well. Mm-hmm. And I just had to reframe my my thinking of when this helps me to to see God's hand in my life more, when I can look around and see God's goodness again, when I'm on this medication, then that is from God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, it's, it's, these are, this is the start of conversations and, and may, you may already be having those conversations just in your own life and in your church. Um, but, but the start of conversations to reframe how we look at mental health, how the church looks at mental health, how it responds, um, how it's talked about and the resources and things that we offer. And, um, uh, I was just thinking about this this verse earlier that I thought would be would be good sort of as we wrap this up, and that is uh, it's Colossians three and it's twelve through seventeen, and it just says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive us, the Lord forgave you, and over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do whether it's in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him you know as christians we are called to encourage those around us with the, the love of christ right we're we're called to walk alongside each other through difficult seasons difficult moments difficult days and to help each other know that the lord is so near and god is so near to us and whether we're experiencing the 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 deepest depressive episode whether we are or are, are having a day where we are just really struggling with our anxiety it's at a high what, whatever the situation is God is so near to us he never leaves us in those moments and that was something that was so um uh, so impactful for me to learn in you know, walking through experiencing panic attacks and, 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 just all of that was how near God was to me. And and here I was in the moment, like, I don't, I mean, it wasn't like, I was like, Lord, thank you for giving me this gift to this panic attack. I mean, I was like, why are you doing this to me? Why won't you heal me? Why won't you let, this is the thorn in my flesh that you will not take away. And you have the
1: power to do it.
0: You could take this from me like that and it would be done and you won't take it from me. And I think we can, we feel like that a lot of times when we are just walking through the mud and muck of, of this and want to know why we aren't getting better or why our loved one isn't getting better or we want to help and we can't, you know, and, and at the same time, knowing God has such purpose in it and that, that he is just so very present with us in those moments you know he he didn't leave david in the psalms he didn't he didn't abandon david and go well good luck with that you know uh, you know i hope everything turns out for you mm-hmm. he was right there with him in that mud and muck and making purpose from that pain and and if we can shift our focus and and our faith is what grounds us in those moments it keeps us steady it is it is that unshakable refuge that we have in god and if we can keep that even on the darkest of our days to know that he is with us it, the light, I mean, that's our, that's our verse that we were, you know, talking about at our conference, the light cannot, um, the darkness cannot overshadow the light. The light always comes. The light is there. And it might be for you in the moment, the most, you know, minimal of light, but it's there. And the darkness will will, cannot overcome it, you know, like, and I, I think that's what we have to hold on to in those moments.
1: Well, the light shines through the cracks of our brokenness, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, you know, Saint John of the Cross, um, he talked about it being the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think a lot of what he was describing in 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 his in his writings was was depression. Yeah. You know, where you you don't there are going to be days whether you have a mental illness. Uh, or a challenge, or, or you live with one, let's, let's start using the right terminology. Mm -hmm. When you don't feel God's closeness, Mm -hmm. where you don't feel him near, where you don't feel him guiding you, um, that God always is there. And, um, and that's why we can't base our faith on a feeling, right? Uh, It is the knowledge of who saved us Mm -hmm. and who saves us every day. Yep. And that's Jesus Christ and, for, and what he did on the cross for us and, and by rising again. And, and that is our hope. That is our light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. That is our, that is, our, that is the knot that we can tie in our rope and hang on to for dear life. When we don't feel anything else, yep. we can know that we are saved mm-hmm. by grace. That's right. That's right. Well, I can think of no better words
0: to end on than, than those, and I hope that this is a conversation that's been helpful to you. It's—I mean, I know for us, it's an ongoing conversation, and it's just one to keep to to keep looking at and and just being willing to sit with people and have those hard conversations, and, and just being present in those everyday moments
1: um, with each other. And well, bring them a coffee, but don't bring it with milked oats don't bring any coffee
0: with milked oats <laughs> <laughs> duly noted <laughs> <laughs> oh, well friends thank you so much for joining us uh on this episode um as always we're glad so glad that you're here with us and listening and we will see you on the next
1: episode bye friends